We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. They're not just getting lucky. Your process is messed up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's something wrong in how you're assessing Either lineup construction, player selection, matchups, something or other. Now, goalkeeper is another story. I, they're perfectly fine to tilt goalkeeper. <laughs> this is the Fantasy Soccer Podcast from Rotowire.com, your premier source for fantasy sports. For player news, rankings, projections, and the best fantasy soccer stats around, please visit Rotowire.com slash soccer. And now, here are Andrew Laird and Jordan Cooper. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Rotowire Fantasy Soccer Podcast. My name is Andrew Laird, Senior Soccer Editor of Rotowire. Joined on this Thursday by Jordan Cooper to not preview Saturday's Premier League slate because we have no Premier League slate. We're on an international break. A little Ask the Shark time. Uh, Jordan, feeling wet? Well, uh, pe- people are, people are going to expect a UEFA Nations League. I know. There's breakdown. been a lot, of que- a lot of questions about that. Um, it's not going to happen for a podcast, at least. I mean, there's cheat sheets on the... There is. Yep. yep. And, and and a lot of times, a lot of things are up in the air because although it's technically a competitive game, it's still kind of a friendly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the, the games matter more for the lower teams that may not qualify, you know, or at least have a tough time qualifying for the Euros. Uh, but for the top teams, I mean, like we have Germany, France today. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess it's a big matchup, but does it really matter? Are they not are they not qualifying for the Euros? In two years, probably that they are. So, I think not getting hurt is a bigger priority than winning, right? Especially for the club sides. I mean, the players. Right. It's the start of the season. It's like right. they they don't want to. I mean, but there's at least there's only going to be three subs. Mm-hmm. No, it's that's re- good. They're they're real games. So Actual you don't have to rules. Worry about yeah. that. Right. Exactly. Weird. So I, I, I give if these were just international friendlies, I may not play the slates. Mm-hmm. But at least now, I mean, they're small on DraftKings, so yeah, I they mean, are. You kind of dip your feet in and whatever, and over the weekend, I mean, I'm concentrated a lot on NFL coming mm-hmm. up this Sunday, so I'm more focused on that. Uh, but, I mean, it's, it, hey, it's soccer, right? It is. It's better, it's better than, I mean, you go back two years, three years, you know, we'd be Crickets. sitting here, right, cricket, it would be nothing. It's like mm-hmm. you're waiting to the 15th, and that's it. Mm-hmm. No soccer. Mm-hmm. And you probably have to wait all the way to a Premier League slate. Not You didn't even get, like, a welcome back Friday interleague or something. Right, or a, a showdown, or, a one-game yeah. showdown, whatever slate, and 
qualifying. I mean, because mm-hmm. they don't even have Champions League. I mean, we'll do the Champions League. Yep. Podcasts. Uh, you know, during the the midweek for the, for those slates, but I mean, Nations League. I mean, what next? A Liga MX podcast? You gotta Maybe. get someone else for the. Yeah, we'll have to get somebody else. Me. Yeah. Probably two other people. Um, we. I actually got a question that uh, somebody asked us to cover on the podcast without me asking if anybody had any questions. Um, and I'm going to throw it at you. I have a response to it, but I'd like to hear what you th- think as well. Uh, the question came from, I believe it's Ramel Domingo. Um, Twitter account RJD2K3 for all those people who are going to rush to uh, follow him. Um, he said, each week when we do our uh, review podcast... Um, does it make sense for us to add a section about the, as he described it, the perfect DraftKings lineup from the weekend to get some perspective on like what, you know, if that gives us some more perspective on uh, what happened. I, I assume it was a, well, I took it as the perfect GPP lineup, but maybe his mind was a perfect cash lineup. Um, I think really the way that I wanted to sort of mold this conversation was how much, like winning lineup review do you do after a slate as opposed to just checking your own lineups and seeing kind of where mistakes may have happened? I think a a lot of times uh, now to me, looking at the winning lineup versus looking at the optimal lineup is slightly different. Mm -hmm. Uh, The optimal lineup means the perfect lineup, the the highest score you could have possibly made given the salary constraints and the positional slots. Yep. Uh, Looking at that, uh, I think, bears you very little information. I agree. Because it's not predictive. You can't, I mean, you could have, uh, you know, three center backs scored a goal on a six-game slate, and they're in both defender slots and the utility slot. And the high-priced goalkeeper alongside a forward, a low-priced forward, and a high, I mean, like, you put it all together, and you look at that, and you go, like, what What are you going to do next slate that, that, teaches you other right. than find the goals most likely the perfect lineup will have all if not you know most of the goals in them mm-hmm. uh and goals could come from anywhere so if it just so happens that four center back score well there you go or you know an outlier goalkeeper plus a hey a backup forward coming in and getting a brace i was i was gonna bring that up yeah right so like what what do you, what do you learn what can you do next slate other than you're GPP, you're finding upside, which typically come in goals. You're kind of doing that anyway. Yep. Right? Now, looking at the winning lineup, the actual winning lineup, you could learn a little bit more. A l- very. L- I mean, if you're going to look at the winning, winning lineup, look at the top 10 also. But what I'm looking for there is not the, the, the plays, the players. I'm looking at ownership percentages and correlations because that's what GPPs are. That's what you're looking to exploit the most. Not who to pick, but why to pick them. So if I see, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, Glenn, if I see uh, Glenn Murray brace alongside, you know, the Huddersfield clean sheet and a Hadrianage assist, and I go, well, that's a that makes sense as a correlation together, and they all hit, and they happen to be in the winning lineup because yeah, because that is correlative. You know, a two nothing Huddersfield win with a Murray Bra- uh, with the no Brighton, I mean. Yeah, uh, Mounier you know, brace, Mounier, but whatever, whatever it is. But you understand what I'm saying, like and low owned, and maybe they were in favored positions, like the last slate. And you go, okay, that's what was his ownership versus the more popular forward options, mm-hmm. and you see, it's like he was four times less owned than another guy, than Murata or whoever that was obviously more likely to score, but didn't. So that play of getting two goals from a four times less owned guy, but I mean that that goes into the con- the general concept of playing GPPs anyway. You're gonna look at that and go, okay, that does make sense. But that that's how it became the winning lineup. If all the chalk hit, that lineup probably wouldn't be there, or it would be intermixed, mm-hmm. right? It would. I mean, getting two goals out of one guy for the similar price as getting two goals out of another guy, the ownership doesn't matter anymore. Right, the four percent owned guy versus the uh, unless you were able to pay up elsewhere and get more production, like it's possible that lineup comes in fourth and you see a ton of chalk in the first spot and then just like one and a center and a two percent owned center back, 
right, in that lineup that won. And the center back is the center back on a team where uh, the midfielder that's also in the lineup is the set-piece taker. So you're like, oh, okay, it was in, and he got the assist on a corner, and that that was the 2%, you know, Cook goal or Mm -hmm. James Tompkins goal. But we already know this. Like, this is, like, maybe if you're, you know, you don't know anything, but it's like we always say, it's like you could you could punt with a, a center back that has, you know, that gets up on set pieces, especially for favored sides and not on the heavier favorites, on the pick'em games or when the home team, the Bournemouth, you know, kind of Crystal Palace, whatever, mid-table, Watford or something. And it's not going to happen often, but it's probably going to be 1%, 2% owned. And if you're already kind of playing another person that correlates with that, sure. You could go for it. It's going to be boom or bust, and if it works out, you're gonna you're gonna you could get there with all chalk and that one guy. But I mean, that's what you learn from those types of winning lineups. But these are all concepts that you know if you've listened to this podcast before or other daily fantasy podcasts, like that's the general kind of concept of playing GPPs anyway, right? Mm-hmm. So what do you? I don't, I'm not learning anything from the play from the player. Oh, I could have played Glenn Murray. Yeah, of course. He's a forward. Why why didn't he score two goals? That's that shouldn't surprise you. It's like he wasn't under the radar. It's just that he's not a very good player. Like <laughs> he's just not good. But anyone that's the clo- leads the line could score a hat trick on any given week. More likely it's gonna be on the heavier favored sides, better teams, but it could still come out of uh of of the lower sides. Mm-hmm. And what made that person great that week you'd have to you have to watch the game possibly to figure that out or it's just right place right time i mean you may we make fun of uh or you do especially chicharito (laughs) right just happens to be like never touches the ball barely touches has two goals right just happens to be on the by the post when the gets a rebound and and you're sitting there it's like well that because that's the way he plays i mean that's that's just what he does but some games will have no points, will have one point or something. If you told me he has the all-time record for unassisted goals, I'd believe you. Right. But what do you learn if he was in the lineup, other than that happened to be the game where that happened? Right. Right? right. It's like, what are you going to do the, the next game? What What can you do predictively? Like, that's really what you're looking for when you're analyzing past slates. What can you do that either from a player's perspective, like just like what happened in the games? Did I miss something and... Something happened. I mean, we, we've seen it with, uh, with like, even last year with, like, Kevin De Bruyne. Like, there are certain games he does well, and there's certain games he doesn't do well. A lot of times the games he doesn't do well is because he's playing deep mm-hmm. in the formation. So you go, well, I played him, and they just didn't get enough set pieces. They won 3 nothing, and Kevin De Bruyne has six points. And if you didn't watch the game, you'd go, well, what happened there? But if you watch the game, you go, oh, based on this formation— he played a lot more deeper than he normally would. Maybe I should look into that the next time, next week, that type of thing. But like the goal scorers, it's almost tough to even figure that out. They could yeah. be in the right place of their penalty. I mean, it, I mean, we had that game, what, a week ago with Arsenal? Obama could have had a hat trick, mm-hmm. but he didn't. He had nothing. He had nothing. <laughs> right. But I mean, what, what can you do predictively? Based on that. It's the same thing with when, when people talk about XG. I was just about to bring that up. Right. It's like, like if he buries all three, fine. But that doesn't, the fact that he missed those opportunities doesn't make it any more likely that not only will he not miss those opportunities in the future, but even if those opportunities come up. So when you see an XG of like, wow, you know, he should have five goals, but he only has one. Describes the past. Mm-hmm. That doesn't predict the future. Like, who says he's even getting in those positions anyway? Yeah, I, we talked about this in the Slack chat a little bit. Um, and I think XG is kind of misinterpreted as a predictive stat. That's kind of what we were talking about then. That, um, like, XG is, is a calculation of goals that were expected to happen, not goals that are expected to happen. And so... Um, yeah, like even if he got those exact same situations again, like that's what you're relying on basically. If you're using XG as some sort of predictive stat, you're basing it you you need to use the assumption 
that it's not that he should have scored X number of goals on his three shots. It was specifically the three shots that he took in that exact moment from that exact spot. And duplicating that is unlikely, especially against a completely different opponent in a new game. So I find XG to be just as predictive as using the perfect lineup to build your lineup for the following week. But you can use there. There is a usefulness to XG though. It could allow you to then further inspect how we got those high expected goal opportunities. Because really, you're just looking for opportunities. If he, if you tell me that he's going to get in three of those opportunities again next game, I take it. I mean, look at the oh, sure. when he but, missed three sitters. But you but have that's to look not what at XG that. Says. Well, no, of course. But if I see. That XG, I could go back to a heat map, passing maps. I could watch the game and go, Did was he getting in those positions because of his skill? Was because of a certain tactic that the team was playing? That he's going to see more of those types of opportunities. He's going to get into the box more. I like looking at, you know, touches in the box types of stats and go, well, he may not have gotten shot off, but he got, you know, eight opportunities in the, and it's it's above what he normally gets and was it a factor of that specific game or is the team playing tactically more recently to get that guy more opportunities but xg could show like well if they the higher the xg is more likely they're in an opportunity that they should quote have scored but it's if it's just so happened that a you know defender fell over and just got a clear shot. You know, Lukaku, that other game, mm-hmm. rounds the keeper and misses. I mean, like, the XG of that is ridiculous. But, like, that isn't a byproduct of tactic. You just got by. I mean, like, you can't necessarily predict that in future games. Well, that's but in, exactly. But even even saying, they're, you know, the team's doing more to get him touches in the box, Um. But even that is is kind of deceptive. You have exactly. to still go in and go, was it a basis of the team's tactic or just the opportunity at that very given time? Mm-hmm. And like, just so happened that that specific opponent played in a way where the center back and fullback were a little too far apart. And in the case of a 10-minute span, he got four opportunities to get a touch there. And then they closed up. And at halftime, they arranged the tactic so that didn't happen anymore. Mm-hmm. So you look at it. You look if you looked at just the pure stats, you'd see four, and then go, "Oh, they're doing it's like no, like then the they they adjusted the other team adjusted to it, and then in the next game, the the manager probably is looking at that game, going, "We got to make sure to close that space up." Also, like it, I mean, there's so many variables to put in that I mean, you could you could set up an instance of all of this that these are all very these are all descriptive in nature and not necessarily predictive in nature. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that you ignore them. Just understand that you don't just sort by XG. I mean, we even see, uh, even like last year, I remember even in the Slack or in some of your articles that, you know, you're, you're posting uh, who's taking the most shots without a goal, mm-hmm. right? We had like Matt Ritchie or Tom Ince <laughs> or whatever, but that doesn't With mean Grant that, Jocko was also on that list for a little while. Right, but that doesn't mean he's due. Like, dude, that's a that's a gambling. <gasps> How fallacy. dare you? But but that does say that over the past course of time, whatever we're judging it by, he's shooting. It's an opportunity. Like, yo, he. If you told me that someone was getting four shots a game on average, I'd probably take a look at them, no matter where or what it was. If they scored or they didn't score, not in so, a cash lineup, you wouldn't. No, well, that no, it depends, <laughs> right? That's that's the point. Like I don't care. Like, you're you're looking for opportunity, not whether or not you put them away, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Unless it obviously, unless the number gets to a, a such a ridiculous point that it has to be, you know, there's there's something wrong. Yeah, some right. Sort of if, voodoo if, doll. Right. If you if, this guy has taken 108 shots over the past 12 games and scored none, <laughs> because every time he he kicks the ball, his shoe flies off. I mean, like. Like, the stat would look ridiculous, and you go, well, maybe you still don't roster him because his shot, he always tries hitting the shot with the back of his leg because that's the way he plays. I mean, like, Mm -hmm. obviously I'm making up ridiculous examples, but it's 108 shots that really 
have no chance of even finding the back of the net, and it just looks like a good stat. Right. So what... Um, Is that the answer that you would give? Yes. Um, probably with a better example. But um, what... So what sort of review do you do after a slate then? Just that, that you review... Like, do you actually review the tops of GPPs? Yeah, I mean, I see who wins or whatever, but I, I mean, I mean, because I'm tracked because I have lineups in, so I'm mm-hmm. like, you know, I mean, that, yeah. how far ahead am I in, whatever. But I'm primarily looking at the correlations of like, here's a good, and a lot of times it's 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 correlations and leverage opportunities that I just chose not to take. Mm-hmm. I go, okay, that I went a different way. Like I went Tosin and Coleman, and someone went, you know. Gaten Bong and Glenn Murray. And mm-hmm. I'm like, well, it's the same type of correlation. It's just that, you know, I'm not building 150 lineups. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I have to take a stand somewhere. It's like, like, oh, okay, they played Hazard. I faded him and played Murata only. Mm-hmm. This person played Hazard and Murata together. Okay, that's and what, what does that affect the rest of your construction? If you're playing two high-priced forwards together, obviously you're playing low-priced midfielders. So it's unlikely that you're going to see, you know, an, an Christian Eriksen brace in that lineup. And I played this with the lower forward. You know, I Calvert-Lewin. You know, you play Calvert and Hazard together. It's like, okay, but what, I mean, but you're looking at the ownership more than anything. Right. It's like this person decided to play this correlation at this ownership level, this expected ownership level, and then eat the chalk in this spot. Right, still played the chalky defender play, played the chalky goalkeeper play. Now, that still gets into an issue of that still doesn't that's descriptive and not predictive. Mm-hmm. But you're learning possibly how to play better if you're building lineups where things are haphazardly not correlated. You're going to find that most top lineups, more often than not. And what I mean more often than not, I'm not talking about 90% of the time. I'm talking about 22% of the time, right? Because there's all, there's going to be a whole spectrum of, you know, that there'll be outliers of the, you know, the, the winning the, the $3, 7,000 entry GPP takes a much higher score usually than winning the 500 person $30 GPP. Sure. So taking a look at the $3 one, you could look and you, you, you may find one where it's like someone it looked like they mashed buttons. And it just so happens that they got the the 1% brace and managed not to play the 60% chalk guy mm-hmm. and got there and be like, okay, but what do, what do you, there was no thought into that lineup. I mean, that looks, it looks like they mash buttons, but that will, that will, that will win. But you can't, what do you learn from that? Right. But you could learn from good players that you see at the top and you go, even if they didn't win. All the, the players that you respect in GPPs, take a look. If their top lineup is 16th, take a look at how they built it. And they go, well, where where was the, the, the ownership pivots, the leverage, and the correlations? And how did they, they build that type of lineup? Which could be in a portfolio of 50 lineups. And just like, okay. And then you could go to other of them. You know, if they, if they have 20 lineups in a contest, go to all their lineups. Right, you go mm-hmm. through and you go. You know, did they did they play? How much? How much of this person did they play? Did they play a hundred percent of a guy? Did they play twenty? If you're looking at the sixteenth place lineup, they may that may be the only lineup that that specific person was in. They may have not been high on that player, but no, it was an upside play and throw it into five or ten percent of their lineups. Mm-hmm. Or it could be someone that they were extremely high on and they actually are in ninety percent of their lineups. Right, and. Th- there you go. That's something. There you go. That's what you could learn from, if you if you believe they're you know they're top players, mm-hmm. right? then they play well. But I mean, if it's some rando at the top that you've never seen before and it's mashing buttons, I mean, what what you what can you do other than well, I'm, what I guess I need to mash buttons. Again, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. And that's that doesn't do anything. But I'm assess- But most of the time, I'm assessing uh, my cash lineup more so than. My GPP lineup. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, the GP. If I look at the tops or whatever, there may be correlations that I'm like, yeah, I could. I I considered that. I mean, it's like with the Brighton the other the other day. It's like, like I I was gonna choose between March or Knockhart, and it's like if some, well Knockhart scored a goal and got twenty points or something, like, yeah, I didn't place in the GPPs with the March lineups. 
but I'm I I still feel like I was in the right direction. I'm taking a very similar type of player. I just took the wrong one. You see right. you see that in other sports all the time. In NFL, you're like I'm not going to take I'm not going to take the what the number one wide receiver. I'm going to take the the third wide receiver. And you and it turns out wide receiver four is the one with the two touchdowns mm-hmm. on two big plays. And you're like you you had the right idea. Right, you're gonna play the leverage play. You're gonna take a, a Cordell Patterson or something from the Patriots, and Philip Dorsett gets a hundred yards touchdown. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, I was, in, I, I did the, I, I did, I wanted to leverage off of the two better receiving options that would be higher owned, even though I think the Patriots are going to start, score thirty five points. You were in the right way. You, you did the quote right thing. Just chose the wrong player. I think those right. are up that those are opportunities where you could even chalk that up at least for your process as a win even if you didn't play them. Right? Sure. I mean I I t- I take a look at uh you know if if McCarthy on that last slate gave up a goal. So he didn't have a 22 point game. He only had a 7 point game. Seven points for his price is actually not bad. I wouldn't mm-hmm. chalk I'd still say you know, Southampton won that game. Crystal Palace opened as the favorite at home. I, I, I made the right play. Like that, that made sense. In the same way that if you play the cheap goalkeeper, right? Like if you played Begovic and no Chelsea, and if you he gave up four goals and got negative eight, or if you know you're you're playing them for those situations, right? Right or you know ends up giving up a goal but getting eight saves, and you go well whatever the point total you know what you're getting into. Mm-hmm. That's why I don't like even assessing goalkeeper more than anything. Defenders also, like it's like if you're playing a cheap fullback, and you you're able to fit everyone else in that you want, and the fullback gets four points, like chalk that up as a win. Right. If you go well, if I didn't pay down at defense and then I changed three other guys out. I would have gotten 12 extra points because th- this guy luck boxed into a goal. Like, what do you learn from it? Yeah. <laughs> like, that you did, you weren't playing these guys for, for a ceiling. You were playing them for a floor. Mm-hmm. Like, when I mentioned on the last podcast with, well, if I played Cedric over Bertrand and then Fabianski over McCarthy, I would have ended up with more points. But I wasn't expecting Cedric to have a 17-point game. I just wanted one right. of the Southampton fullbacks. Turns out Cedric put up 11 more points than Bertrand, but I still chalked my analysis up to a win. Mm-hmm. I scored enough points anyway in cash, but the analysis was right. The, the matter of, did I want to play Cresswell or did I want to play one of the Southampton fullbacks? And if Cresswell scored a goal and Bertrand or Cedric put up two points and Cresswell's goal, he only still only had two floor points, you know, without the goal. Yeah. I still chalk that up as a win. Mm-hmm. If anything, I I look my assessment on that would be let me take a look at his Cresswell's ownership and go. Although I thought Southampton fullbacks were a better play, I didn't think Cresswell was a bad play. I thought that he was a perfectly fine play. If Cresswell in cash was seventy two percent owned and that goal gets scored, and I end up bubbling in double ups. Mm-hmm. Maybe my assessment is I should have I should have realized that Cresswell was going to be super chalk and then decided to play what I believe was the slightly less optimal play just so I don't get killed in a rare goal opportunity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that I, I, I change anything that I did, but at least I could possibly learn something more from that opportunity. But I mean, if he scored two, po- if he was seventy-two percent owned and scored two points, I still would have, I would have still had the assessment the same way. Mm-hmm. Going, wow, I really, I really misjudged how much he was going to be owned. Same thing for GPP. If you're going into GPPs, if if you're constantly amazed at certain people's ownerships, <laughs> then then you have to get better. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could, sure, there you could be off by a little bit, sure. But, I mean, if you're going in and you're going, I don't understand why this $3,800 midfielder is 81% owned in a 22-man. It's like, and then you start watching the game and go, 
oh, he's like overall dead balls mm-hmm. for this. Like, now you know why he's eighty-one percent owned in cash <laughs> games, right? You you've obviously missed something, right? Or you've or it it may not even be that type of like it's a set piece taker on a slight underdog that just walked into dead ball situations. Uh, it could just be that that's that like the popular punt play, mm-hmm. the cheap fullback, right? Why is so and so? Why is Lermachand nineteen percent owned? I mean, that may be high for a GPP on a six-game slate. But if you're like, I don't understand why this three K guy is like, no, no, he's he's playing as a fullback right. for Fulham against Brighton, who's not that great of a team. You could have decided not to play him, but you can't be surprised when other people do. Right. Especially when that's kind of a concept of soccer DFS of where's the cheapest fullback if unless there's, you know, unless there are better better people at defense or you're able, based on the other positions, to end up paying up on defender slot. Mm-hmm. Right? If you're going in, you're going, you know, I don't know why Ronaldo is 63% owned. It's like, well, do you follow soccer? <laughs> right? I don't know why Messi is 81% owned on a two-game slate with Barcelona at home against, you know, a recently promoted side. Mm-hmm. Like, you obviously should know he was high. You would know that, and then in GPP go, I'm going to fade him. Right. Right? But you shouldn't be surprised at that. People were surprised at the uh, Seri's ownership, that other slate was 50% owned. Mm-hmm. Like, you should not be surprised at that ownership. It, if you said, I was surprised he was 50, I thought he was going to be 38. Mm-hmm. Well, then you did, then fine. That that To me, that's enough. Where you're not surprised. You're just like, no, he's going to be owned. I just didn't expect it to be just slightly that high. Mm-hmm. Right? You look at Sigurdsson, you go, I thought he was going to be 70% owned, and he's 55% owned. Like, you're not off. But if you're going in, and you, you see a 40% owned guy on a six-game slate and go, it's a guy that I didn't even look yeah, at. Yeah, I didn't even think of this guy. Right, I didn't even think of that guy. Well, you you got you to gotta go back to your process, mm-hmm. right? But that's what you'd be judging. That's what you'd be looking for. Looking at lineups going, going. oh, the guy that won the GPP played a guy that's 28% owned that I didn't even notice was even in the lineup, in the starting 11. Mm-hmm. Like maybe maybe I should play more, pay more attention. Why, <laughs> why was he 28% owned? Why was that? You know, we, we see, you know, defenders that are in advanced positions. And you go, oh, this guy was, it wasn't a cheap fullback. It was like Ricardo Pereira, mm-hmm. 4,800. Schlop. Schlop, right? There you go. God. Yeah, he, but you're judging it. I know you're sighing because of Schlop. I can't believe you're still tilting that goal. <laughs> I'll forever tilt that one. Only because right, I always like Jeff Schlop. Yeah, but. You at least understand that the play wasn't made to get a goal. You just oh yeah yeah. I mean like I just got yeah. unlucky. Right, but it's not like you didn't even consider him. You knew that okay. He's he's that's an the option. tilt. He was he was in my lineup. Right. Yeah. But if you go if you're going and, and rallying like uh, you lost your cash games because Jeff Schlupp at sixty five percent ownership put up a goal at thirty seven hundred, playing as a winger in a defender eligible spot. And you didn't even realize it. And you're like, oh, I guess all these people got lucky. Well, they got lucky to get the goal, but they weren't unlu—they weren't lucky to roster him mm-hmm. because that's the reason you rostered him when a defender in an advanced position. Right. Right. I'm yep. not. I'm not shocked. I, I. I. On a Sunday slate, I tried to be too cute. I went with what I believe to be more optimal, playing Luke Shaw over Jose Holabas. Mm. Uh, Shaw put up nine and a half points. Holobus put up 17 points, I believe. Something like that. He had two assists. Yeah. But they only had two corners. They only, I mean, like, I expected Tottenham to have all the possession and Holobus would be playing defense and there wouldn't be enough set pieces that I think Man United against Burnley... Shaw would be able to, you know, have eight crosses. For sure. Yeah. And, and, a, clean, and a clean sheet. Something like that, and they were pretty much the same price. I I thought the better play, from a floor perspective, was actually Shaw, even though Holobus is on set pieces for Watford. Mm-hmm. Now, I got destroyed because Holobus had two assists right. on those set pieces, but if you take away those assists, and my assessment is absolutely correct. Yep. But 
Holobus was 63% owned, 70% owned. I knew he had assist upside, and I knew he'd... And the thing is, I knew he'd be owned. I knew that people would play him over Shaw. I thought the better play was Shaw, but I'm like, is it going to be enough that I could get burned? If Holobus puts up 10 points, am I going to get burned by it? Right. I thought, no. So I'm going to play what I believe is the better play. But his upside at that ownership killed me. Mm-hmm. But I knew I was get I knew what I was getting into. I'm not saying I made the correct choice or the wrong choice. It's just like, yeah, those two assists got me. Yeah, that happens. Right? And I, conservative me, would have just played all of us. He's a set-piece taker. He's on, it, it, it's easy. Just do that. I was slightly too cute. I got burned because of it. So be it. Mm-hmm. But at, at least you know you're making that type of assessment. Sure. If you're sure. not, if you're not, if you, if you're constantly thinking that other people are getting lucky on plays that are owned, not high, high owned, but at least owned enough, mm-hmm. like then you're doing something wrong. They're not just getting lucky. Your process is messed up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's something wrong in how you're assessing either lineup construction, player selection, matchups, something or other. Now, goalkeeper is another story. I, they're perfectly fine to tilt goalkeeper. <laughs> right? It, but, I mean, but that's true because it's a highly varying position. Yeah. But if you're constantly wondering, you know, how you're losing playing three goal-dependent forwards in non-high-favored matchups and wondering how people are running you down with 10... When Ryan Frazier scores the, a goal on top of his 10-point floor and you're, you know... You're whoever play. I don't know. You're Christian Benteke in cash, and I dare say uh, Alexander Mitrovic, but something right. like that. I dare you, Dwight Gale. I mean, he's not even on uh, Newcastle <laughs> anymore. But I mean, those type. Like if you're if you're squeezing in three guys and playing double ups, mm-hmm. and then going, well, it, uh, if this guy didn't miss his one opportunity, he would have had fourteen instead of two, and all these all these other players, all the my opponents. Scored four more points more than me because uh, they had like seven points in every all of their spots. Like you're just playing cash games wrong, and especially if one of the floor guys ends up with a goal or something like that, an mm-hmm. assist and a goal. I mean, on top of their already higher floor, and then let's say one of your goal dependent forwards scores a brace at two percent cash ownership. And you also cash in the double ups with everyone that has, you know, that chalky whatever. Like you're only there because of luck, right? Like don't chalk that. That's the way to play. No one you've gotten lucky. No one other people have gotten lucky. Don't chalk up. Most people do, uh, you know, based on their own confirmation bias of when they win, it's because they're smart, right? I'm smart. I'm brilliant. Look at look how smart I was. I won. Then when you lost, it's like, look how lucky everyone else mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Try to break that habit. Break that habit as much as you can. Try to think as much as you can in the complete opposite direction. I always go in after a slate, and I do the complete opposite of that. I look at my lineup and go, where was I bailed out? Like, did I make a mistake and get bailed out? Or did I not make a mistake and get bailed I mean... Where where did that happen? Is there some, is there something that I it, what, the considerations even I could, could uh, consider these three different types of cash lineups. I just chose the worst out of the three and got bailed out. Mm-hmm. And then I see so many of the other two in my cash lineups, cash games, going. Yeah, I think they went the optimal way, and I just managed to get lucky on them. Right. And okay, that's something to learn from. Same way as before of looking at other people's lineups and don't automatically assuming that they just got lucky. People that played Hazard in that slate instead of Aguero and Hazard gets that goal. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you that isn't a non-viable way. For sure. We even said going Of going that lineup. Now with Aguero's ownership being through the roof compared to Hazard, I I think it's risky. But if you're playing Hazard at 10-8 and he scores uh, in, a, in a game where he's, you know, 
It was okay. the opposite of the Salah Aubameyang conversation from the week before or two weeks before. Right. That the high-owned guy scored the first time but not the second. Right. But I don't get but Philip Billing scoring is lucky. Yep. Right? Yep. But I understand, but if you're going to play a punt play and it just so happens, you have to know, like, you play Jefferson Lerma, right? Yep. In that lineup? I if did. he scored, is that like, well, I picked him because... No, you picked him because he's an offensive midfielder and you're looking to hopefully get four points out of him mm-hmm. from, like, tackles or whatever. You're not weighing him for his goal-scoring opportunities. Right. And if you And if that was the difference between cashing and not cashing in a double-up, your reaction should be, whew, I'm glad I got lucky, mm-hmm. right? When I when I put that into Roto Tracker, like that really should be put in as a loss, mm-hmm. right? That's one of the lucky parts of my variance, not the unlucky parts of my variance. Now, if if the goal wouldn't have mattered and you would have cashed anyway, then who cares? Right. Now right? you're smart. Right. Now you're smart, right? Now you're well. Even if he didn't score the goal in the one and a half point, I mean, you were able to fit everyone else That's in what I mean. that you yeah. needed, right? Then, then you're then you're smart. If you without the goal that, uh, from some guy that you would never consider, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously everyone has goal scoring equity. But you know, we all can pretend like Billing has goal scoring upside. Right, people are going to load up. Mm-hmm. He's going to be scored in one hundred percent of his last uh, one games. Right. Um, I find one of the other things that people want to put value in, but um, I think is essentially worthless, is point per dollar returns. A lot of people have asked asked us to include uh, like previous DraftKings prices on on RotoWire so that they can see kind of how people did versus their price. But I don't want to say that's completely worthless, but I think it's mostly worthless because pricing just changes so much slate to slate that I'm not sure how much you're learning of like, oh, he outperformed his salary three times out of the last four. And so he'll do it again this time. Like I, Because every I'm, matchup is different. Right. And also every slate, like the scoring on a slate. We always talk about Champions League, like when it's a big team versus a minnow team and there's like two of those matchups and it's an eight-game slate and go like, like if, you better be targeting a three-figure score. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, this is, you know, this. there are going to be a lot of goals on this slate. There's going to be 27 goals. Like, you better have something, right? You're not going to get by with a 60-point score and cash on a double up. Mm-hmm. So you got to look, look for some type of some type of upside or at least, uh, you know, ridiculous floors, like the charisma-type floors, you know, the, the Candreva-type floors, those sure. types of things. Uh, but that's all in relation to the slate. But, I mean... So, so going by, like, uh, how many times value type of indicator. There's no average soccer score where mm-hmm. it's like you win a GPP with, like, an NBA on a normal size slate, an 8-10 to 10 game slate. You could, you could say that if you, if you could put up a, on DraftKings at least, if you could put up a 380, if you could put up, a, you know, a, a, if, if, you're, if you could put up, 7x value total you're probably you're going to be getting towards the top of gpps mm-hmm. and if you could get a five five and a half you could probably cash with a 280 i mean obviously the slate the plus and minus on the slates could go plus or minus 20 mm-hmm. right in gpp maybe it goes plus or minus 30 in soccer it could be plus or minus 60 right right it could be i mean in in a uh, a high that is significantly lower than an NBA regular. Right. So it's like there, there, there are slates where, and also depends on ownership. Mm-hmm. There are slates where they're on an EPL slate of five games where there's 14 goals and half of them come from like set pieces of chalk guys. And it's like, if you don't get a 110 in a double up, you missed because so much chalk also scored on top of their floors right. and they were popular and whatever. Like, you know, Aguero scores four goals at 60% ownership. Like, dude, these scored the, the cashing line, the cash line is going to be a high score. Mm-hmm. And then there are two game slates where it's one nothing and zero zero and it's a substitute that scored, and the winning GPP score is fifty four and a half. 
I, I was actually going to flip that around that we've seen instances where the two game slate is actually you need a higher score than the five game the day before. Right, depending on who's chalk and and everything, because mm-hmm. there's only so many options. Right, on a two game slate, the chalk is really chalky, as opposed to a six game slate where the chalk, you know, fifty percent is chalk. Uh, I don't even mean though in, in cash. No, I'm talking about even in GPP. Yeah, I'm just saying we've seen instances where there are five games and no team scores more than one. Right, and then on the sat the Sunday slate, it's two five nothing wins. Right. Or a 3-2 game and a 4-1 game. Right, right, right. And because there's so little overlap in line, there's only so many players to choose from, it's like the GPP winning score is going to have like as many of the goals as you could put in. Right. And the double-ups are going to be some of the goals because, I mean, everyone's going to be at least 20% down no matter what. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? And so it's like, so what it's, do you... You can't learn much from that. From no, those because, two days back-to-back. Right, because at sometimes one-and-a-half value, one-times value... You're great. Right. You're, you're solid. Right. Sometimes 2x, you're not good. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes you do a mix of both where, yeah, you have the Jefferson Lerma for one and a half, but you also have the hat trick in your lineup. Right. Because you played Kane over Erickson. Mm-hmm. And you went that way. And both of them were about the same owned. I mean, like it's, but some sometimes you're going to need to win a GP. I mean, I remember I won an MLS GPP with 201. Oh. Which is a ridiculous, I mean, that was the kickoff from two years ago or something. Mm-hmm. Because all, because the pricing was so ridiculously off that you were just able to shove, and this was the 11-man rosters with the one-point crosses. And you were just able to basically, st- I mean, people were so underpriced for what they should have been. You you just stacked every, I mean, you could, just all of them. Give me all the set-piece takers, all the crossers, all the everything, and then like four of those guys also scored. Scored a goal, yeah. Right. So, like, yes, I won with 201, but the cash line was, like, 147 or so. It was, it was so ridiculously high. Mm-hmm. But the cash line was 147. There are certain slates where, like, that's 50 points, 80 points higher than the winning GPP score because it's all dependent on slates. So mm-hmm. going by 1x, 2x, I think, if anything, if you want to judge about what, value in some aspect is just take a look at the over-unders and the totals and the like take a look at the size of the slate like add just add up all the totals together even if you want to Mm -hmm. and go is this going to be a high scoring slate or a low scoring slate if you see a lot of if it's a four game slate and all and it's uh you know over you know total is two two point one two point two and what the high score is two point four total you go Maybe this isn't a high-scoring slate. Right. But if, like, on one of the teams, it's like one guy gets, like, all the production, it's like it's going to be, like, those two goals may go through that person. That may be chalk. So it may still be a slightly higher slate because this guy is going to be chalky. Right. Or it could or they could bust, and the, you know, GPP winning score could be really low. Mm-hmm. But there are also slates where it's a four-game slate, and you're like, well, here's a three-and-a-half total, here's a three-and-a-half total, Here's a two total. I don't know about that, right? And the the, the two three and a half total games have favorites of minus eight hundred. Mm-hmm. And you go, I almost want two pieces of both of these games, and they're high priced or whatever. Uh, GPP the high score may be higher than normal, but the cash line, the cash game double ups may actually be slightly lower because the top guys on both these you can't roster both of the. You know the minus two hundred to score goal dependent forwards, right? Right. You may you can't you can't play Ronaldo and Messi together, and then get this other guy in this other game that has a fifteen point floor just on peripherals. So you have to decide: Do you want to go after the goals in both games like that, or do you want to take the floor and then fade one of them? Right. But those are the considerations. But there's no still when you make those considerations, you're not going. Uh, this guy's seven thousand. Uh, will he get 14 points and make 2x two, two value? I think more in terms, instead of that, I think of, can he get, uh, the higher the the salary goes, the more I'm looking at, can he get a goal's worth of points? Because that's who you should be comparing it to. Sure. If you're comparing a goal-dependent forward, even at the high end, 9K, 10K guy, 8K guy, 
if you're comparing them to an 8K midfielder and MF person, you go, can this guy, if this guy scores, can the guy that I'm going to play get a goal's worth of points? Mm-hmm. If the answer is yes, then who cares what the, well, that's still only 1.25x on a 9K salary. It's like, yeah, but the other guy that you'd be playing is the type of player that either scores goals or doesn't score goals. Right. So most likely it's going to be 2, 12, 26 or something like that rather than 6, 15, 20 types of scores. Most likely. And then when you look down in the 4K range, you just look like, are they going to be able to get reasonably six points about that? Mm -hmm. And it, it... Depending on the slate, if it's a low-scoring slate, you're like, for 4K, maybe I only need four points. Like, do I think this guy can get four points? Mm-hmm. Okay. I've learned that four points can be tough sometimes. Right. Hmm. All right. Did anyone learn anything? I don't know. If you've learned anything, please feel free to reach out to Jordan and tell him on Twitter. That's at Blenderhead. I'm at Rotowire Andrew. Sorry, that's Blender HD. Um, I'm a Rotowire Andrew. Uh, you can also ask us in the Rotowire subscriber Slack chat. If you'd like to get in, just hit me up on Twitter or the at Rotowire Soccer Twitter account. Uh, Jordan and I will be back on Monday to talk about probably more of this. Um, so if there's a specific topic that we didn't touch on that you'd like us to, just uh, let us know and we'll get it there. Jordan, I'll talk to you then. Thank you for listening to the Rotowire Fantasy Soccer Podcast. For more great content, visit rotowire.com slash soccer. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.